Hello, and welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson, Director of Communications at the Michigan Department of Transportation. Today, I had planned to talk with Matt Chenoweth, who is the Chief Bridge Engineer at MDOT, about everything involved in the federal money, the IIJA, and what it will mean to bridges across the state of Michigan in terms of repair and replacement. And we were also going to talk, and we will talk, about carbon fiber and some new developments there in terms of longer lasting bridges. But as we were preparing to record today on Friday, January 28th, we got news out of Pittsburgh about a bridge collapse there. As of now, fortunately, very fortunately, it sounds like there are no life-threatening injuries and no fatalities, but people are monitoring it closely. So we'll talk a little bit about that based on, on what we know, uh, which isn't going to be a lot, but Matt, as always, will know something about the design and have something to say about that. So again, Matt, thank you for taking time to do this. As always, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and explaining things. Let's start real briefly before we get into the IJA and carbon fiber and you know what you're doing specifically today another bridge collapse this one this morning in pittsburgh the very day that the president has planned to go there and talk about infrastructure i mean what does this tell us and and how do how do you balance what you try to do to you know raise warning bells for people about the need for investment uh but not sound like you're fear-mongering yeah so good morning jeff and, th- and thanks for having me again um yeah that's that's a it's a fine balance and that's why we always try to be as as simple as possible in stating if a bridge isn't safe, it's not open to traffic, right? We have inspection program in place. We have a load rating program. We do our due diligence to ensure that in-service bridges um, are are safe for use by the public. And so when you hear about a bridge collapse, like what happened in in Pittsburgh, and uh, we have no details on any of that, what, what kind of bridge it was, what condition it was in. Uh, But when you hear about this, that's why it, it, grabs national attention because bridge failures are just not a common thing and not a common occurrence. And you, you just start jumping into, okay, the forensics, you know, what happened? When was it last inspected? What are the maintenance records? Uh, because it's such an uncommon thing. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, it does, it does highlight the fact that there's investment needed in infrastructure. Um, and, you know, we, we say it all the time. I think, we, all, we, we say it so much, I think sometimes people become tone deaf to the fact that, okay, well, you so you got some funding in 2015, and then you did the Rebuilding Michigan program, and now you got IIJA, you know, you should be good, right? We can we can stop. We're, we, 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 we can stop with the funding. And the answer to that is no, there's always a need for more funding. Yeah, so talk a little bit about what, what is the real need for Michigan across all systems? Yeah, so we did an analysis last year relative to, and I'm just, I can only speak for bridge, but, um, you know, to achieve goals of zero serious and critical bridges on both the trunk line and the local side, we did some fairly thorough analysis. And, you know, on the trunk line side, you know, it, the, the number was, you know, in the $1.5 to $2 billion range. And on the local side, it was in the $1 to $1.5 billion range. And, you know, IIJA that's coming our way is great. It's, it's 563 million over five years. Um, and then that's got to, that's going to go through formula. So that's both MDOT and local agencies. And, you know, we recently got, uh, which we're very thankful for, we, we recently got 196 million uh, for the next phase of our local agency bridge bundling program, which again, 
it's great. It's going to do a lot of good. It's going to move the needle slightly, but that 196 million is little over 10% of what we say we need for local agency bridges. Well, you know, Pennsylvania, I know Secretary Buttigieg was in Pennsylvania just a couple of weeks ago to talk about the 1.6 billion that they're getting for bridges specifically out of the IAJA. And it talked about replacing more repair or replacing more than 3000 bridges and poor conditions in Pennsylvania. That sounds like a lot, but that's like a, a fraction of the number of bridges in that state, which, uh, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh alone touts itself as the city with the most bridges in the country. So, right. Uh, I mean, this is everywhere. And, and, and Pennsylvania had a, a pretty hefty fuel tax increase that they got through the legislature um, just a few years back. And they're still struggling to, to keep up. So it obviously isn't just Michigan, but I, I do think you're right. And it's scary that people start to just tune it out after a while. They're just like, yeah, 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 I get it. We need more money. And then they move on, right? And then and then today they wake up and find out that a whole bunch of commutes are disrupted. Um, and fortunately, as it is now, there are no, no fatalities, no life-threatening injuries, but still a lot of inconvenience and it's going to, it's going to, you know, cost people a lot of money in terms of that inconvenience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to bring the numbers home, you know, I, with the IIJA funds that we're going to get, you know, MDOT on our trunk line bridges, our freeway bridges, if you think of them as the, you know, the freeway system, the, the bridges with the highest amount of traffic, you know, MDOT manages about 4,600 bridges. Well, the IIJA funds that are coming to the state will allow us to work on about 140 to 150 bridges out of the 4,700. On the local side, you know, there's, so total in Michigan, we have 13,000 bridges. On the local side, we have 1,000 bridges that are either in serious or critical or what we call load posted, meaning they can't carry legal loads, so they're posted. We have 1,000 in that condition. And as part of our bridge bundling program with, you know, over the last couple of years and, and, and the years to come, we think that we can address about 80 to 100 of them So with the funding we have. So again, every, every little bit helps, but when you look at the numbers in totality, we're, uh, we're, we're only hitting small percentages of, of the needs. So how do we decide, uh, how do you decide how that money is gonna be spent? Obviously, we know that 25% uh, of that money will go to the local bridges and they'll make determinations about what their priorities are, but how do you decide the, the money for the state bridges where it goes? Yeah, so obviously we have our, our, our asset management program. We have a very mature uh, asset management, bridge asset management program in Michigan. We've been collecting tons and tons and tons of bridge data for years as part of the National Bridge Inspection Program. And so we take a mix of fixes approach. We, we do not just look at all the low hanging fruit and say we have to replace all the worst bridges. We try to mix it up in terms of a certain percent replacement, a certain percent rehabilitation, and a certain percent preventative maintenance. And, and rule of thumb that we try to apply statewide uh, with our what we call our, our call for project strategy is a mix of about 50% replacement, 30% uh, rehabilitation, and 20% maintenance. And you know those those percentages vary, you know, uh, depending on what region you're in. But we definitely take the mix of fixes approach because yes, we have to address the poor bridges. But we also have to prevent the fair bridges from turning poor and the bridges that are in good condition, 
it is very, very cost effective to invest in those to keep them in good condition. It's, it's a smaller investment to keep br- good bridges in good condition than it is to replace poor bridges. So we, we hit our mix of fixes approach and that's how the, that's how the IIJA funds will be split up. So this is a good time probably to remind people that uh, Michigan is a national leader in asset management. And, you know, part of that is, is just being a state where transportation was at the forefront for so long. And so it's led to generations of innovation. But part of that is just necessity because of uh, if you operate with not enough money for decades, you have to find ways to stretch it and be as efficient as possible. And a robust asset management plan is the best way to do that, right? Well, absolutely. And, and what it also allows us to do is um, we can very effectively uh, articulate the benefits of the investment. So when we when we make you know when we report out to the legislature, look, if you if if we get an increased investment of a billion dollars uh, through asset management. This is what we think we can do. This is how we can move the needle. We can go from this percent to this percent. And you can't, you can't uh, do that analysis and you can't make those forecasts without all of the data that's in a good asset management program. So it's, it's very beneficial to both articulate you know, the need for funding, but then to show the benefits of what additional funding will get. How long do you think it will be before we can be more specific about where this IAJA money is going to go? In terms of specific projects? Yes. Yeah. Well, we already have several strategies in place. Uh, we went through a bunch of fire drills last year when we were anticipating the amounts that were going to be in the bill. If you recall, it, it jumped all over the board. You know, they wanted bipartisan support, so they were working with various amounts. So. Um, you know, our MDOT regions have already gone through and prioritized, you know, what roadway corridors they'd want to do given the funding amount. And then, you know, obviously we have bridges in those corridors that we wanted to include. And then we have, uh, you know, specific standalone bridges that we wanted to include as well. So a good example is the Lafayette Bastille Bridge in Bay City. You know, we need to replace that. It's a very expensive bridge. It's going to be anywhere in the 65 to 75 million dollar range to replace that and so that's one of our iija standalone bridges uh we just have to figure out where in the program it's going to go and you know where 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 the region you know when we can do it in terms of regional mobility that price tag is because of the the mechanics that are involved in in a vascular bridge right absolutely yeah it's a movable bridge it's very complex structurally electrically mechanically uh, we're spanning a navigable waterway. And, and we say that, you know, the price tag we're fairly confident in because we just finished, you know, years ago, we just finished uh, Fort Street over the Rouge River, and that had a $65 million price tag. So we know how much these things cost. We will continue the conversation right after a quick break. The Michigan Department of Transportation reminds you that when a vehicle collides with another vehicle, person, or other object, it is a crash, not an accident. By reducing human error, we can prevent crashes and rebuild Michigan roads safely. Yeah, so when you talk about doling out this money and using your your asset management plan um, and, and what you'd like to do, you know, if you were king for a day and could say, look, this is how much money we really need, is as you travel the country and talk to your counterparts, um, you know, on various AASHTO committees. Where do you feel like, I mean, I know there's all kinds of data we can look at in terms of 
the bridge inventory and conditions of bridges, but where do you feel like Michigan is at, how it stacks up against other states in attacking this problem? Well, from, from an asset management perspective, like you said, I think we're, you know, uh, strategy-wise and vision-wise, I definitely think we're far ahead. But when it comes to, you know, like the latest ARTBA report, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, Roads and Bridges magazine and stuff like that, um, the numbers are what they are. And it shows that, you know, Michigan is in, um, is, is in the lower portion in terms of condition. And it's not because we're, we build, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about we don't build with the right materials or we don't have, you know, we don't hold contractors accountable and we don't have warranties and, you know, we don't build the European pavement section. All of that really is irrelevant. We use the same materials uh, that other states do, even, you know, and I'm standing in a fabrication facility right now that's fabricating carbon fiber cable for bridge beams. Uh, not many states are using that. Michigan is. So it's not a function of, of the materials or the design. It's a function of the investment. And unfortunately, we, we just have underinvested. Other states, you look at like Florida, you look at Texas, you look at California, they have huge amounts of state funding, not a lot of federal funding. They have huge programs. And, and we just, you know, we don't come close to those programs. Let's, let's talk about that. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you made that point that, uh, you know, everybody wants to find an answer um, about the quality of construction or the quality of the contractors or, like you said, the materials, anything but the, the reality, which is, you know, we need more money. But since you're, you're at uh, what I think is a cleverly named uh, manufacturer, Tokyo Rope, today, um, which located a facility in, in Metro Detroit, largely because of MDOT's work with them on developing carbon fiber. What do you think? Uh, well, explain it, I guess. What, what What's it all about? Yeah, so and we started down this road years ago. Um, but, you know, we are when it comes to building bridges, you know, we're always endeavoring to make bridges last longer. Uh, you know, have, we want bridges to go longer time frames without requiring maintenance. And so when you drive around the state and you see an issue with, with a bridge, it's typically whether you have a concrete bridge or a steel bridge, you know, it's typically due to corrosion. And even concrete bridges, they have steel reinforcement or steel pre-stressing strand in them, and it corrodes. Concrete still has some permeability, water still gets in. And so this idea of taking the corrosive element out and replacing it with something that's non-corrosive is huge for us. Uh, again, we can we are we are on the path to designing and building bridges that we you know we anticipate will last 100 years with with this technology. And so it's it's carbon fiber composite cable, which is, is carbon fibers that are mixed with a you know a high strength uh, resin, and they are it's a it's a very very uh, complex manufacturing process where these these cables are wound and protruded and then formed into uh, a seven wire strand that has the same strength characteristics as steel strand. And we've been testing it for years. We've done a lot of research uh, in partnership with Lawrence Tech uh, and Dr. Grace. We've done a lot of work in testing it and proving to engineers that these materials are safe, that these materials can be designed with and we can, you know, they can behave just like a typical freeway bridge. And it's taken us a while and we've done our due diligence. And yeah, we got a plant in Michigan that, that, manufactures the stuff which has cut down the cost and uh, we're very confident that this is these are the materials of the future so talk a little bit about 
the application. Um, I mean, is this eventually going to be used everywhere? Is it just a matter of you know having to spend more money up front, or is it never going to be the right material for all kinds of bridges? Yeah, so it, it's definitely got what we're calling you know the 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 right application. Um, it, there is a cost premium up front, so we are paying more on the initial cost end. Uh, and then what we're we're anticipating through you know through life cycle calculations is that because corrosion is you know next to zero, well it doesn't corrode. Um, we're going to have fewer life cycle maintenance activities during the life of the bridge, and that's a benefit in a lot of ways. Number one, it, it prevents future costs. But if you think about it, anytime we have to work on a bridge or a road, we're setting up a work zone. There's a safety component to that. And so we're also eliminating, you know, setting up work zones and impacting mobility and impacting safety. And so, no, it's it's not intended to be used in every bridge. We're trying to target specific locations, uh, specific high volume locations. Uh, for example, we've, we've just done a couple on I-94 in, in Metro Detroit as part of the modernization project. And all of these bridges are over I-94, so you know we salt I-94, the trucks 70, 75 miles an hour down I-94, they're kicking up that, that this high velocity mist that actually hits bridge beams and then the, you know, the chlorides attack the steel. And so we've done a couple on I-94 uh, that have that same thing, right? They're, they're subject to a lot of, of road salt and a lot of corrosive chemicals, and hopefully, you know, what we're anticipating with the carbon fiber is there won't be any corrosion in these beams. So when you say 100 years, Lawrence Tech, where you've spent a lot of time working with Dr. Grace, who you mentioned, who is just a, an incredible pioneer in you know, developing, innovating these kinds of new technologies. It's, it's very interesting. And, and describe the process that they use to simulate how these materials will wear over a number of years through a number of weather cycles. Yeah, so the first thing that we do with any type of experimental program is we do the numerical modeling. So we do the theoretical design piece of this, and then we do durability calculations, we do you know load calculations. So so we do the theoretical and we and it's not just pencil on paper. This is very, very advanced, you know, finite element modeling, you know, uh, very advanced time-dependent analyses for you know the various things that affect concrete. And so we have a good basis for what we need to look for. And then uh, at, at, the, uh, at Lawrence Tech, uh, Dr. Grace has the Center for Innovative Materials Research. And there we are able to uh, load test beams. Uh, so we will load test them to check for cracking. Uh, we'll load and unload millions of times to simulate uh, truck cycles, like what bridges will see in their life. And then we'll load them to failure. We also can do uh, high temperature testing uh, and then we load it while it's in the fire chamber to make sure that the bridge is stable long enough so that, for example, if we had a tanker fire under a bridge, we could safely close the bridge, get traffic off the bridge and out from underneath the bridge prior to collapse. And then we also do a lot of cold weather testing. He's got an environmental chamber that can simulate freezing conditions and rain and snow. And then just being here in Michigan, uh, we've done a lot with uh, putting these materials in load frames and then just moving them out behind the lab uh, at Lawrence Tech and letting the natural weather cycles affect it. So we've been, we've been very thorough in investigating these materials in terms of we know they're going to be out in the elements. We know they're going to see heavy truck traffic. Let's simulate all of those things 
and uh, and get the data so that we can be confident that everything's going to be safe. Yeah, it's uh, it's really quite something to see. I'm always impressed when uh, when I'm there and they do those those kinds of simulations. Well, thank you, Matt, and uh, good luck today at Tokyo Rope with your uh, your quality oversight. Uh, it's really interesting and. We'll pay attention as the IAGA money starts to flow and probably talk about it some more. Sounds great. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.